Galatians 5, verse 1, first word. That's our message tonight. Stand. Stand. Throughout the course of your life, you will be labeled by what you take a stand for. Uh, In fact, if you choose not to take a stand, you're still taking a stand. And if you choose not to stand for anything, then more than likely someone will attach a stance to you by your lifestyle. So I would rather take a stand and be known by the stance that I take instead of someone labeling me for taking a stance just because of the way I live. I would rather choose my own stance. Does that make sense? And stand for what I believe in and what I live for. And I pray that the stance that I take matches up with the lifestyle that I live. Because if the stance that you take, and I'm just not even talking Christianity, I'm talking about in general, but, but really in Christianity, if you take a stand for the Lord and your lifestyle doesn't match the stance that you take, then you're standing for something and you will be labeled whether you like it or not. Jesus, in fact, had a label for him. He called them hypocrites. It's going to be great tonight, isn't it? It's going to be wonderful. Already tell, calling people hypocrites. Taking a stand. Stand. So let's ask ourselves this question too. This is concerning this text tonight. We're going to break down this first verse, but we're taking a stand and in the theme of this verse, we have to ask ourselves, what is, what is freedom? What is freedom? If you ask... If you ask people what is freedom, you'll get a lot of different answers. Um, If you ask some people, they may say freedom is being released from restraints. Some people will say that freedom is being released from oppression, being taken away from the things that have bound me. But for the child of God, When people say, what does freedom mean to you as a Christian? It should mean this. We have submitted our lives to the will of God. Because when we submit freely to what God wants from our life, we can have true freedom. Because our freedom is found in Christ. Now there will be restraints with that freedom, but you'll find That living for God and having freedom in Christ, you have a lot more fun serving God, knowing that he's in control. And that when we take our hands off of it and let him lead our life, boy, that's real freedom. Knowing that I can lay my head down at night and have perfect peace, that no matter what happens tomorrow, God has it all orchestrated. He's got it in control. He orders my steps. And so the the theme of freedom and the, the theme of, of taking a stand is, is the theme of Galatians. And, and this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Galatia is actually uh, almost a rebuke, if you will. 
He, he was rebuking them for not taking a stand. And so uh, what had happened was, by the way of introduction, what had happened is they had allowed certain teaching to creep inside the church. And the teaching was this, that you had to add something to Christ in order for your salvation to be complete. You can go home and read Galatians and you'll find out what those things are. I don't have time to go into it. But basically they were saying something else and Christ would make our salvation complete. Can, can I submit to you this? Nothing plus Christ completes your salvation. Christ completes it. And, and please do not get me wrong what I'm about ready to say because some of you are gonna, you're gonna be upset with me. But Christ plus works does not equal salvation. Christ plus sanctification doesn't equal salvation. Christ plus baptism does not equal salvation. The only thing you need to complete your salvation is Jesus Christ. Because if it took something else other than Christ, that means the work he did on Calvary would not have been as important. But I'm thankful that when he said it is finished, salvation's work was complete. And all we need to be saved is Christ. Now those other things that we add to it, we don't do them to be saved. We do them because we are saved. So we work because we are saved. We live a holy life because we are saved. We get baptized because we are saved. It's not a prerequisite to be saved, but we do it because we are saved. And that's the problem. And I feel the Lord tonight, don't you? This is feel good. So here's the problem with Galatia. They, they allowed this teaching to creep into the church. And the problem was it started inside the church. And that's what the problem was. This false teaching came from inside of the church. And so they had to, Paul had to rebuke them in a way to tell them this, you don't need something plus Christ to be saved. You need to take a stand, therefore in the liberty where Christ has made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He said, you don't need anything else but Christ, so take a stand. Stand for what Christ is all about. He was ex exhorting them, take a stand. And so today, that's what I'm going to ask you and challenge you to do is stand. Now, if we look at these, this verse, tonight, I want to break it down in three ways. First of all, I want you to notice this. He tells them to stand fast. Notice he didn't say stand up. He said stand fast. There's a difference. Standing up is totally different than standing fast. Standing fast means you're already standing but you have to stand fast. If you look up the word stand in the Greek, it actually means to hold one's ground. It's a military term. Those are in the military. I'm sure you've heard that throughout your course of basic training and throughout your life. The commander would give orders. Sometimes he would tell you to stand fast. What did that mean? That meant to hold your ground. And when he said stand fast, that means to stand, hold your ground and hold it firmly in place. What was he saying? He was saying to be on alert, be on guard, 
Don't just stand there gawking around and, and being lazy and relaxing. No, he's saying, I want you to stand on this principle that Christ is the only way you can get to heaven. Stand firm on that. Be aware there'll be false teachers coming around from every side, but just stand firm, not on your own merit, but stand firm on the fact that Jesus has got your back. He said, stand firm, hold your ground. And when he tells you to hold your ground, that means you cannot progress until the next command is given. He says, I want you to stand firm. And when you stand firm, I want you to stand by my, my, by my command, by what the Lord has said, and don't move until I tell you to move. But he said, stand firm. He said, don't relax. Because when you relax, that leads to vulnerability. And when you relax, that leads to relaxation. Relaxation then becomes a lifestyle. And when you have a lifestyle of Christianity that's relaxed, that means you're vulnerable to Satan's attacks. That means you're vulnerable to false teaching. That means you're vulnerable for, for the, for the uh, attack of the enemy to come from sides you never thought possible. I'm telling you, that's what Paul admonished the church of Galatia. And, he, and I'm admonishing you tonight. It's still good for 2022. Listen, you need to stand firm. Hold your ground. There's just some things that you need to hold your ground on tonight, folks. Stand firm. Stand firm. And listen, in order to stand, that means you have to understand what your stance is. You understand what I just said? That's a pun. In order to stand, you have to understand what your stance is. So can I give you my stance? I believe that this is the Bible. Of course we know that. But it's more than a book. It's 66 books combined into one volume that is living, it's breathing. It is not only the word of God, it is God. And I base my entire life off the principles of this book. When the world is on fire and when the world fails to stand, this book will still stand. It stood throughout the ages. I live my life and I stand on the word of God. I stand on this principle that the word is inerrant. It's infallible. It, it's been proven time and time again. Not one word is wrong. Not one word is incorrect. Thank God it all points to Jesus Christ. I stand on the fact that he was born of a virgin in that he lived a sinless life. Hallelujah. That he healed the blind, raised the dead, caused the, uh, the withered hands to be restored. I believe he did miracles. I believe he was cast into a, into a jail and he was put through trial and he died on the cross of Calvary. And when he died, they took him off the cross. They buried him in a tomb. And on three days later, he rose up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And then a few short days later, he went up on top of a mountain. He ascended into heaven and the angel said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus that you see going up shall come again in like manner. I believe the Lord Jesus is coming back. That's what I stand for. Do you stand for that? Amen. Do you agree with that? And Paul said, stand. You say, Brian, why is this so important? Because in these days, 
more than ever in the time of history, you're going to be challenged. People are going to know where you stand. Where do you stand? And you got to be able to tell them without hesitation, I stand for the book. I stand for the blood. I stand for the blessed hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to be able. And just because you stand for everything doesn't mean you're standing for anything. If you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. You know why you stand for everything that comes along the pike? Because you want approval from everybody. You don't want any resistance in your life. I'm telling you, folks, if you take a stand, no matter what you do, whatever you take a stand for, you're going to face resistance. But there's only one stand that you can take that'll bring eternal rewards. And that's standing for Jesus. That's standing for the word. That's standing for what he's done for you. Only one stand. Well, I got to move on. He said to stand fast. Then secondly, notice this. He says, not only stand fast, but we can stand free. He said, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. What that literally means is, for freedom, Christ made us free. And you can break that phrase down into two different, two different things. First of all, you can break it down this way. That we are free with freedom. I'll say that again. We are free with freedom. That freedom solely rests on Christ. Our freedom was bought because he freely, willingly gave his life to die on the cross of Calvary. And because he freely gave his life, not out of obligation, but out of love. Because true love and true freedom always has a choice attached to it. You cannot force anybody to love you. They have to choose to love you. And Jesus Christ chose to love me. And he chose to love you. And he loved you so much that not out of obligation, but just because of love, he came down and freely gave his life. Didn't he say himself, you cannot, you cannot take this temple. You cannot destroy this temple. I will lay it down and I will raise it up again. He had the power. He didn't have to come, but he did freely. That brings me to this point. Ministry should never be out of obligation. It should be out of love. Anything you do in ministry should be out of love, not out of obligation. If you hold an office in this church and you're doing it out of obligation, not out of love, resign. You're not doing your class any good. You're not doing your position any good. You're not doing this church any good if you're doing it just to fill a space. If you're not doing it because you don't love to do it, then get out or get right and ask God to help you. I'm still preaching. I'm talking about doing things out of love. 
There's nothing more wonderful than to see a Sunday school teacher or a singer or a pastor that loves to do what they love, what they are doing. Hey, is it, I'll just pick on my dad because I love him so much. Is there anybody ever concerned that my dad loves to, to lead a choir? He lives his entire life to lead a choir at Spring Jubilee. You know what hurt him the worst the last couple of years is the fact, will I be ever, ever able to lead a choir again at Jubilee? That's all he strives to do. He loves to do it. Is it any wonder when the Jubilee choir sings and he's, he's flapping his wings like that? Is it any wonder he don't get a smile on his face? Why? He's not doing it out of obligation. He's doing it out of love. And if you don't enjoy ministry, then either get right with God or allow God to move you out. Because you can't be, I'm preaching. You can't be doing it out of obligation. You got to do it out of love. I said, well, if, if, if I step down, then that means there's an empty void and, and I'd rather just, stay. no, listen, you're, you're doing, you got it all the wrong way. Do you think God has enough power to replace you? Absolutely he does. None of you are irreplaceable. I'm not irreplaceable. Pastor Cal's not irreplaceable. And any time we start doing things, and listen, you say, Brian, you're so hard on that. Why? Because I used to do it. People call. Churches call. And you go night after night after night. And it's real easy just to get up and turn a switch on. Well, I'm obligated to go because I told him I was going to go. Do you think I did any good to that church that night? Now, the word was, didn't return void. The word did what it was supposed to do. But I was in the wrong. The word was right, but I was wrong. And God, a long time ago, had to teach me, you better do this because you love to do it. And buddy, I'm telling you, I get up every morning. I get up every morning excited to go to work, excited to lead somebody to Jesus, excited to tell others about Jesus Christ. I love what I do. Why? Because you fall in love with Jesus. And I took a stand a long time ago that Jesus takes first place. Hey Amen. This is good preaching. I don't care who you are. I got to move on. I got a lot more. Oh my. Free, I'm going to turn that off. I'm tired of it. Free with freedom. But not only we're free with freedom, but we're freed for freedom. Right? He freely gave his life so that we can have freedom. Now that we have freedom, we're free. I know. It's confusing. Just stick with me. We have liberty in Christ. Liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Because of his freedom to choose to die, we now have freedom to live our life. But the freedom is in Christ. God created man never to be in bondage. You're not intended to live in bondage. You say, how did, how, did that, how did that all get messed up? Because of the pursuit of fleshly freedom? Remember back in Genesis? God created man and woman, put them in a garden. Total freedom in Christ, in God. 
that everything they wanted. They could roam everywhere they wanted to go. They had total control, total peace, total tranquility. Then they noticed a tree. And the devil came down and said, you really aren't free. If you truly want to be free, then you'll take that fruit. Oh no, God says no. God says that's the only thing. And people ask this all the time. Well, why didn't God, why did God even make the tree? Because God gives us a choice. If this was just all, you know, sovereign and, you know, God just wanted people just to obey him just because he's God, he would have never had to make the tree. But he wants us to freely choose to serve him. So he made this tree. And if you take the fruit, thou shalt surely die, he said. So they listened. And it says, they looked at it and they desired it. And the lust of the flesh, they desired the freedom of the flesh. And when they desired the freedom of the flesh, they forfeited the freedom that God gave them. Remember the prodigal son? He had total freedom in his father's house. But he said, I want what's mine. And in pursuit of fleshly freedom and the pursuit of finding freedom, he forsook the freedom that he went out to look for because he already had what he needed. But yet he thought he needed something else. And folks, you'll go wrong when you try to desire the things of the flesh instead of desire what God wants in your life. You'll be surprised at how much freedom you'll have when you truly give your life over to Jesus. Stand fast. Stand free. And I'll hurry. He says, look at this, to stand forward. He said, you can progress. You can move forward in your liberty and in your freedom. But here's the condition. When you stand in the liberty and in the freedom, you can't get entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Obviously, they had a problem with this, a reoccurring problem, because he said, be not entangled again. It's one thing to be entangled, but to be entangled again that means they had a problem that was just a recurring problem. You ever had that in your life? You have a problem you face that just keeps coming back and coming back. And you know why? Because you're not standing. You're not standing. He said, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. They knew what a yoke was. And you probably know what a yoke is. If you've ever worked on a farm years ago, you know what a yoke is, right? I can't say that I've ever worked on a farm with a yoke. <laughs> but I know what it is. A cross beam, two rings around it. The animals go in it, around the neck. And the one controlling the animals is the one that's got the ropes in the back. And they're turned because of the control of the one who's driving. He says, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And what was binding them? The false truth. The false teaching. The teaching that was creeping up in the church that Jesus wasn't the only way. 
So don't be entangled in that. Don't be led around with that teaching. Take a stand in the freedom that Christ has given you. And folks, don't listen to people that tell you you can live any way you want to and expect to make it. Don't listen to people that say, oh, that prophecy stuff that your pastor is teaching, it's, it's just hogwash. It's, it's lies. Don't listen to people like that. You know, people accuse us of brainwashing you. No, we're telling you the truth. We love you enough to tell you the truth. That if you don't stand for the Lord, there's going to come. He's coming back for people that's standing for him. And when he comes back, and if you're not standing for him, you're going to be left behind. And I'd rather take a stand now. That way I can kneel in front of him later. And say, my, my God and my king, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because one day you will stand. You will stand. He may force you to stand, or you'll do it out of love. Because the Bible says that every knee is going to bow. Everyone's going to stand in front of God. And you're going to give account for what you stood for. So what do you stand for? He said, stand. Stand. What do you stand for?